welcome to the Web Policy Talk podcast recorded live at the Impact and Policy Research Institute Impri New Delhi Namaste and good morning I Chavi Jain researcher at Impri Impact and Policy Research Institute, Prabhav Evam, Niti Anusandhan Sansthan, Nai Delhi, extend my warmest welcome to you all to IMPRI hashtag web policy talk. Today, we have gathered here for a special talk on environmental governance in India with Professor Krishna Raj. This discussion is a part of the series hashtag planet talks organized by IMPRI Center for Environment climate change and sustainable development it is my honor to introduce our speaker for today professor krishna raj sir is a professor at center for economic studies and policy institute for social and economic change isic bangalore and he is specialized in the area of urban water in bangalore and nyc in forest and biodiversity earlier Sir was an Indian Economy Chair Professor at Hancock University of Foreign Studies, HUFS, Seoul, and Visiting Scholar at University of Wisconsin, USA. A very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you. Now, I invite our moderator, Dr. Simi Mehta, CEO and Editorial Director at IMPRI, to proceed with the deliberation. Thank you, ma'am, and over to you. Thank you, Chavi, and good morning to everyone. Uh, it is indeed a um, pleasure to have uh, Professor Krishna Raj for this um, very important discussion on uh, environmental governance. So uh, truly, uh, we have recently seen how the first report of the sixth assessment report of the IPCC this year vividly highlighted the dilemmas arising from the environment development discourse. And this is the reason perhaps why governance of the natural environment has emerged as one of the most complex challenges which is being faced by the humanity. So there are several questions that arise as to how does the state become a factor um, in environmental and sustainability politics? What is the role that the Indian state, the judiciary and also the civil society that have played so far? Uh, what is the role that the international community of nations play or have played to ensure that, that there is transparency and accountability by all countries, including India, in their environmental governance? To what extent these, uh, uh, these norms and international uh, treaties and agreements, are they equitable? There are various questions further that arise are what are the limitations as to the dilemmas and also what are the hopes, because the hopes um, of the people at large, at least 9 billion people so far by 2020, 2050 that we are, um, we are it is predicted that we'd be adding um, to the planet. Um, how can these aspirations be realized? What are the viable strategies that are needed to maintain a balance between ecology and equity? So these are very pertinent questions as to how we are going forward in the sustainable development goal era. 
And to get some answers uh, to these questions and also perhaps beyond, I am so delighted that uh, we have amongst us the expert Professor Krishna Raj from ISEC, um, who would be talking, uh, taking us through all these aspects um, as part of the hashtag Planet Talks for the State of the Environment series under the Center for Environment, Climate Change and Sustainable Development at IMPRI. So thank you so much, sir. I really welcome you and I invite you to begin your presentation. Thank you so much. Over to you. Thank you, Dr. Simi Mehta, for uh, your uh, uh, heartfelt welcome to the talk on the environmental governance in India under your prestigious uh, talk program. And uh, as you rightly mentioned, uh, the world is facing unprecedented uh, environmental crises and issues, as you rightly mentioned. Uh, the IPCC AR6 report has highlighted uh, how the planet Earth is uh, having a, a threat from the global warming. Uh, actually, my lecture uh, uh, will be focusing more or less on the same topic, uh, but uh, I'll be dealing with uh, a good number of issues surrounding the environmental governance in India. Uh, I will be focusing more on the interaction between the uh, economy and the environment and how governance system in India works and uh, how the institutions which are uh, associated with the environmental governance are playing their role uh, in uh, conserving and enhancing the uh, resource base of the India, keeping in mind uh, the uh, new liberalized economic policies, how they are playing uh, a dominant role uh, in the uh, governance of environmental resources. Uh, let me share my screen and uh, start my presentation. Yes, sir. Sure. Is it uh, visible? Yes, it is visible. Thank you. You can, sir, you can use the arrows, which is there on the left-hand side bottom. Mm, yeah, but uh, the one bar, uh, it is there, no? I'm so just showing, it is blocking a part of the presentation. I'm just uh, taking it uh, to the uh, side, if possible. Is it okay now? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, the title of my presentation, as we already discussed in uh, the flyer itself, environmental governance in India, especially in the context of the state of the environment uh, in India. 
Every one of us understood uh, the interrelations between economy and environment. In this context, uh, the essence of the issue of environmental governance is the way the government and societies deal with the environmental problems. This lecture uh, provides macro view discourse about the economy and environment in India and the way they interact, both economy and environment interact and result in, resulted in the present state of the environment. In other words, the lecture focuses on a detailed review about the current state of environmental governance in India. The environmental governance of India is reflected by environmental governance systems. The environmental governance system uh, includes the government, the judiciary, the local government, uh, the civil societies, and the various actors, including producers, the consumers, and uh, the, uh, the uh, industries, corporate sector, and international organizations and all. How they play and influence the various policies of the government uh, in the world and also at the uh, uh, regional level and at, uh, at the same time at the national level. The lecture also highlights the macro perspectives of the environmental governance in India. When we uh, come to the definitional part of environmental governance, uh, uh, the environmental governance is synonymous with the interventions aiming at changes in the environment-related incentives, knowledge, institutions, decision-making, and behaviors. Spe specifically, environmental governance refers to the set of regulatory processes, mechanisms, and organizations through which political actors influence environmental actions and outcomes. So environmental governance briefly, how the government and the civil societies, they interact each other to demand a particular policies for welfare of the people and at the same time, how these policies affect the both present as well as future generation, whether they are having positive or negative impact on the welfare of the people. So the outcome of the any policy is discussed in the framework of environmental governance. So when we understanding the environmental governance of India, we just cannot neglect the, the role of economy. So the economy and environment, they closely interact each other. Uh, the outcome is the either economic development at the cost of environmental degradation, or both can act together in tandem and they can also have a sustainable development. But what is the state of the economy and environment in India is the big question we need to ask and also at the same time try to answer such questions. 
It is the common belief that economics or economy is the root of the environmental problems. Most of us, we understand that economic activities are the root cause of the environmental problems. In this regard, there is a urgent need to understand the impact of the economy on environment, the significance of the environment to economy. There are two issues we, one need to understand. One is that the impact of the economy and the environment on the one hand, on the other hand, the significance or the importance of the environment to the economy. So the economy cannot work without the environment and without the support of environment, the economy cannot survive. So at the same time, if we leave environment intact without affecting it and the economy cannot thrive. So we need to balance both the economy and the environment in such a way that each other will not be gets affected. We, each other will not be uh, getting affected. So what are the appropriate, appropriate way of regulating economic activity so that the balance is achieved among environmental, economic, and other social goals? Yes, we understood. So without economy, most of the environmental issues are simply research questions for scientists with no policy significance. So therefore, uh, economy is also very important because uh, uh, the man ultimately depends not only the environment, but also most importantly, economy. So economy and the environment, both are important for the very survival of human being. Therefore, the essence of the environmental problem is the economy, but economics has some appropriate solutions to many environmental problems we face today, including climate change. The twin problems of capitalism. So we are in the era of capitalism. It has created a, a twin problem. So one is that economic inequality and environmental degradation. So capitalism or free market economy is accepted as economic system for economic development. In the market economy, major, majority of the capital goods are owned by private individuals or business. The production of goods and services is based on the forces of supply and demand in the market economy. Government has no or little control over the market economy. This has led to economic or income inequality in the world and second environmental degradation. The first one is that there is a growing income inequality in the world. The second one is that there is a drastic reduction or degradation of environmental resources. So when we come to the uh, research and uh, uh, the debate which is going on in the world, uh, there is a huge gap in literature in this regard, uh, whether uh, uh, the economy is sustainable, enough to safeguard the uh, environmental resources or not. At the same time, uh, whether uh, the, uh, uh, the environment in which we are living is safe enough to uh, secure our health, 
secure our resources and secure our livelihoods, secure our welfare is the another big question. In this regard, there is a huge gap in literature. It calls for wider debate on whether world's remarkable achievement in economic growth as reflected in its environmental outcome or income inequality. Environmental outcome and also income inequality. These two issues are emerged in recent times due to a rapid economic development under capitalism. One is that environmental degradation, another one is income inequality. So in our lecture today, we focus more on environmental degradation due to the policies of uh, neoliberalism policies or neoliberalism or neoliberalist policies. Economic development versus environmental sustainability. So is there any relationship between these two? The relationship between economic growth and environmental sustainability has been a subject of intense discussion in recent decades. Researchers argue that economic policies encourage economic growth, impinging on environmental degradation, whereas environmental policies shelter environment, hindering economic development. So this is the uh, a, a debate which is going on for the last uh, uh, seven decades. Uh, so the main discourse is on that economic policies encouraging economic growth, they destroy the environment. Whereas environmental policies on the other hand, they alter economic development, which is true. So which sector is being affected, whether economy is being affected or environment is being affected. Further, it augurs that economic and environmental policies have definite but quite different objectives to achieve their own goals. Therefore, they always diverge and non-converge. The economic policies and uh, uh, environmental policies they have definite targets or definite uh, goals or objectives. The economic policy main objective is to have more growth, more development, more resource exploitation, and also creating more man-made assets and human assets. On the other hand, environmental policies they focus more on developing or enhancing or conserving uh, the uh, natural resource base. But the economy relies on natural resource base to thrive or develop or grow. So in this way, uh, the economic and the environmental policies, they are in conflict. They are in, uh, 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 in such a way that they uh, work in such a way that they always create more conflicts than uh, resolving uh, the uh, the development uh, development versus environmental conservation issues. But there are pragmatic uh, environmental policies, and sorry, there are pragmatic uh, economic and environmental policies that 
they provide the platform they provide the uh, a discourse where both can converge not diverge but in reality their convergence highly benefit each other in realizing both economic development and environmental conservation that is succinctly called as sustainable development if the economy follows the sustainable principles sustainable development principles both environment as well as economic development can go hand in hand without affecting each other in this context natural resources are essential not only for sustaining life but also act as crucial input for economic growth that is to, the, the, this has to be understood by the uh, the the policy makers and also the uh, uh, the government at large and also people at large <clears throat> what is the essence of the uh, uh, economy and environment the essence of the economy is that natural resources are providing as provided uh, are providing crucial inputs for the economy or economic growth at the same time natural resources are very important for the well being of the people when we understand uh, uh, the role of the environment and uh, the the economic growth which depends on natural resources most of the issues most of the uh, conflicts most of the uh, 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 discussion which we are taking place today because of environmental degradation would have been resolved but <clears throat> the problem in this world is that uh, we continue to rely on economic development we continue to depend on economic growth we continue to appreciate the economic growth at the cost of environmental degradation if you look at this uh, 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 economic growth in recent times economies expand with Um, so are you there is there a problem Um, yeah, I guess uh, there is some, some internet connectivity issue with Professor Raj. He should join us uh, shortly. Um, until then, we can have uh, uh, Mohan sir uh, in the panel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good morning, uh, Mohan sir. If you can, you can turn on your video. And... Uh, so far if um, good morning sir good morning how are you good sir thank you happy to join again thank you thank you good to see you again sir uh, 
so uh, yes, um, I mean, in the meantime, when uh, uh, Professor Raj joins us back, perhaps uh, we could also hear your views on, you know, sir was talking about the neoliberal, neoliberal um, conundrum with respect to economic, uh, with respect to the environmental development. Uh, since you are in the forest services, how do you see uh, this, this um, playing out? Um, would you like to share your views on that, sir? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Good morning, uh, all the listeners and Simi, uh, Ms. Chavi, and uh, uh, Mr. Rao. Yeah, I just uh, just started uh, listening. Like you, the debate is quite, uh, I mean, quite uh, controversial and quite important. And I would like to say, uh, many times we are using these uh, this debate for many purposes. Maybe uh, just sometime to brainwash ourselves just some time to brainwash IVP of the public and just some time for real purposes and so that we can take out or we can really take out of uh, crux of the matter and we can say that yes, it has something. Uh, I think Professor Krishnaraj uh, can continue. I think that can continue first. Yeah, yeah, so you online. can continue. I'm your... sorry, there was a disconnection in the yeah, interview, uh, internet. Uh... Sir, no problem. So we have yeah. Mohan Chandra Pargain, sir. He is um, in the Indian Forest Services, uh, joining us from uh, Telangana. Okay. Uh, yeah. so, sir, sir, good morning, good... Professor Raj. Uh, thank you, Professor, uh, for joining Mohan uh, Chandra. Yeah. Yes, so sir will continue after you have presented and then yeah. we can discuss. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just uh, let me share again. So quickly, I will uh, go. Uh, okay. So I was uh, uh, talking about how economies expand with continuous uh, depletion in the natural resource base uh, due to continuous interaction between economy and environment. And uh, uh, how economic development aimed at continuous augmentation of uh, human and man-made uh, uh, capital at the cost of natural capital. If you look at the various uh, uh, environmental uh, policies in India, how they are historically uh, being uh, considered as they are pro-growth or uh, pro-environment, uh, let us understand in brief uh, uh, how uh, these environmental policies have been framed uh, in India since uh, the British period. In 1856, uh, Lord Dalhousie introduced forest policy for the supply of timber for Indian railways, and the Indian uh, teak was exploited for shipbuilding in England. Later in 1865, the Indian Forest Act of 1865 serves the British colonial claims over forests in India. Uh, in 1878, there was Forest Act, uh, which established uh, the colonial government control over the forestry and declared the uh, uh, customary use of forest by the villagers was not a right, but a privilege that could be withdrawn at will of the state. So it means that in the, uh, 1878, uh, the forests are completely controlled or under the control of government, colonial governments, 
uh, and uh, the uh, only the usufructs right of, rights of people were given. But it is not a right, but it is a only privilege and it can be withdrawn at the will of the government. Later in 1927, the Indian Forest Act established, there was three categories of forest, uh, reserve forest, protected forest and village forest. Later after India's independence in 1952, the national interests were prioritized and declared as a national assets or local priorities and interest. In 1976, a National Commission on Agriculture observed that production of industrial wood was the priority. Uh, there was a 42nd amendment to the constitution and forests are transferred from the state list to the concurrent list. Uh, the role of the central government in the management of forest is uh, emphasized. Later in 1980s, uh, there was a uh, Forest Conservation Act 1980, focused on conservation and prevention of uh, deforestation with four objectives. Strict regulation on the use of forest land for non-forest purposes, preventing the de-reservation of forest, restricting the leasing of forest land, preventing clear felling of naturally grown trees. So these were the some objectives of the uh, Forest Conservation Act. And uh, the decisions about forest land use is solely with the union government. Uh, later, there were other acts like uh, Wildlife Protection Act, uh, 1972, uh, Environmental Protection Act, 1986. And uh, there was also National Forest Policy in 1988. So in this forest policy, we can see the, there was a paradigm shift in the approach towards management of forest and conservation of forest. Uh, uh, the uh, main objective was to <clears throat> ensure bona fide right, uh, requirements of the forest dependent community at the same time protection of the environment. So in this way, a, a paradigm shift in the uh, forest policies have been uh, taking uh, 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 have been uh, have taken place. Uh, some of the other acts, uh, including uh, the Biodiversity Protection Act 2003, and recently in 2006, scheduled uh, tribes and uh, other forest dwellers uh, recognition of forest right acts was introduced, uh, which protects the rights of the forest dwellers residing in the forest uh, or forest lands. So in a nutshell, what we can understand is that uh, even today, uh, the forests are the assets of the government. The forests are being uh, completely under the control of government, uh, which is controlling the uh, conservation and uh, afforestation, and also uh, the biodiversity, which are uh, uh, threatened, being threatened due to economic development, uh, they are being controlled by the government and, and its institutions, including Forest Department, Central Pollution Control Board, and uh, State Pollution Control Boards, and through various uh, acts, rules, and regulations. If you look at the broader objectives of the national environmental policies, conservation of critical environmental resources, intergenerational equity, livelihood security for the poor, intergenerational equity, integration of environmental concerns in economic and social development, efficiency in environmental resource use, 
environmental governance or good decision making, enhancement of resources for environmental resource conservation. So these objectives are very, very uh, in uh, 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 broad perspective, what we can say is that they are on the path of sustainable development. The objectives are very clear and uh, well uh, designed. If they are being implemented in toto, in complete sense, <clears throat> they would have achieved uh, 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 the uh, economic development uh, on the path of sustainable development. So what went wrong? That is the issue here. If you look at the recent environmental impact assessment policy uh, uh, or uh, environmental impact assessment notification 2006, um, uh, that was uh, amended uh, by the central government, which has circulated uh, uh, in 2020, uh, that states that uh, the, the, it stated that uh, 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 the uh, rational processes and the implementation of the various decisions uh, of the courts. So it means that it wants to integrate various decisions of the court and also rationalize the uh, policies or streamline the policies by keeping in mind uh, the various court decisions. I'm also uh, the member of the NGT, National Green Tribunal. We know how uh, the NGT works uh, when compared to the various environmental policies uh, of the government they are being actually implemented. So if you look at uh, very closely uh, uh, about these uh, policies, <clears throat> A closer look reveals measures that, that do not align with some of the fundamental principles of the environmental governance. If you closely look at these policies, especially environmental impact assessment, it is not in align with the objectives of the national environmental policies. So EIA, Environmental Impact Assessment, came at a time where unintended impacts of uncontrolled environmental degradation are felt by every community, every sector, every uh, region. So Environmental Impact Assessment frames the flow of information leading up to the decision to grant or reject environmental clearance to a project. So the long-term direct and indirect impacts on complex ecosystem and livelihood need to be understood in deciding whether to grant clearance and under what conditions we need to discuss. So this type of myopic uh, policies like uh, environmental impact assessment, which is highly uh, uh, flexible enough to uh, give a freedom to establish an industry without the uh, clearance from the uh, uh, CPCB or uh, state pollution control boards or even by the forest department. So that may lead to a lot of environmental uh, degradation further. Already we have a limited uh, uh, environmental resource base, particularly in uh, Himalayan and uh, Western Ghat uh, patches. So this is how the governance uh, is, uh, uh, environmental governance is being altered or changed or uh, uh, implemented in India. 
At the same time, we need to understand the problem of pollution, uh, how the uh, uh, pollution, uh, they are being understood, uh, how they are being defined, how they are being uh, uh, controlled or regulated, like that. So under this circumstance, especially when there are uh, more demand for environmental resource base for uh, 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 resource base for uh, use uh, or economic use. So there is an urgent need to understand uh, how we are defining the uh, environmental policies in India, how they are being governed in India. So what are the incentives for the generation of pollution? Uh, are there any incentives which are adversely affecting uh, are there any uh, incentives which are supporting the conservation? We need to understand being economist. What are the cost of cleaning up pollution? What are the societal gains from the pollution control? What are the right balance between cost of pollution and control and gains from control? What are regulatory mechanisms can be designed to ensure the right balance between costs and gains? Therefore, there are some methods available in environmental economics, that is valuation methods that needs to be integrated uh, integral part of the environmental conservation. So including environmental impact assessment should be based on cost benefit analysis, taking into account the valuation methods uh, that may uh, give a proper way, uh, uh, proper, measure, proper policy measure, policy uh, suggestion for the better environmental governments. This leads to uh, uh, environmental policy and regulation. So at the same time, uh, there is a challenge for determining the uh, uh, pollution and uh, pollutants. The challenge of determining the right amount of pollution, the challenge of assessing the damage from pollution, the challenge of estimating environmental compensation. So these are also very important uh, when environmental governance uh, needs to be uh, strengthened in India. But the uh, determining the right of amount of pollution is not easy as pollution is generated as a byproduct of producing goods. Determine, determining the right amount of pollution also involves determining damages from the pollution. For example, pollution of lakes, counting the dead fish, planktons or polluted lake or determining the level of pollution at which people began to get sick. So we cannot take one uh, a component as a pollution, say for example, dead fish. So we need to consider planktons. They are also important for the uh, growth of the fish. At the same time, polluted lake are, uh, 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 is also very important for the uh, farmer, whether uh, he can use the water for uh, uh, his agriculture crops, like that. So when we are defining the environmental uh, pollution, and its uh, 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 parameters, uh, its amount and its uh, uh, extent of damage, uh, etc. So one needs to have a broader view uh, on the pollution. Then on the uh, the uh, environmental governance uh, will be uh, more uh, uh, pro economic development as well as environmental conservation. So after the, taking the, some of these uh, issues uh, uh, into consideration, 
the economic itself has several policy suggestions uh, to overcome that type of environmental pollution They, that can be understood uh, through the concepts of externalities and public goods and also uh, the pigeon uh, uh, taxes pigeon taxes so uh, how much time uh, shall i have um, uh, dr simi uh, shall i go for another 10 minutes or 5 minutes what exactly how much time yes, is available yes 10 minutes would be good sure okay okay thank you so uh, environmental management uh, uh, needs to be uh, centralized or uh, focused on economic theory uh, can uh, have uh, a, a pragmatic approach to conserve the uh, environment so if you look at the uh, india's pursuit of economic development in india uh, we are focusing more on gdp growth uh, rather than uh, sustainable development so our focus is on uh, uh, the uh, growth of gdp in terms of uh, economic growth not in the perspective of economic development or long term perspective of economic development so at the same time uh, india's growth if you look at india's growth path before and after liberalization before liberalization the environmental resources are better conserved and better secured and uh, there is a uh, good health among the urbanites and uh, water resources are being conserved forest resources are being conserved so after liberalization after 1991 uh, the environmental degradation has been uh, very rapid and this has resulted in enhancement of uh, uh, man made capital and uh, human capital at the cost of natural capital so it this clearly shows that uh, the economic policies are moving on the path of a weak sustainable uh, school uh, that prescribes uh, the uh, economic and uh, grow at the cost of environmental resources as long as uh, the overall uh, value of the economic uh, uh, assets are increasing over a period of time so for example uh, if you take three important capitals uh, uh, man made capital human capital and natural capital in case there is a degradation of natural capital that has been compensated by the enhancement of man made capital and human capital that would be fine according to weak sustainability school but in case of uh, strong sustainability school they argue that the natural capital cannot be a substitute for man made and uh, human capital so natural capital has its own uh, characteristics it has its own functions and it cannot be replicated or replaced by the man made capital and human capital so therefore natural capital has a definite role to play in economic development and well being of the people so in this regard if you take uh, one example uh, of the uh, economic policies how they destroyed the uh, environment in india so the misguided economic policies such as go first clean later has already endangered the environment and human well being in india 
for example the national mission for clean ganga with a, a huge project cost of rupees 20000 crore is an example of the environmental cost of myopic economic growth the national green tribunal has declared the mission failure saying not a single drop of water of ganga has been cleaned even though 20000 crores has been uh, used for the cleaning ganga project so in this way the neo liberal uh, economic policies of capitalism uh, uh, has been degrading the uh, natural capital uh, to enhance the man made man made capital so there are uh, uh, as a result if you look at the uh, environmental performance index in uh, uh, 2020 what it uh, 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 how india stands in the environmental performance index so as per the uh, 2020 environmental performance index framework the framework organizes 32 indicators there are 32 indicators into 11 issues there are uh, 11 issues are been identified and two policy objectives one is uh, environmental health and uh, economic vitality with weights shown at the each level as percentage of the total scores so the, this is the score for each uh, 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 categories if you look at the each score for example ecosystem vitality 60% score is given for environmental health it is 40% uh, score is given the environmental in health including pm 2.5 exposure 11% household solid fuels uh, 8% ozone sanitation drinking water lead solid waste like that so ecosystem fisheries ecosystem services forest biodiversity habitats climate change etc like this so they have uh, computed uh, environmental uh, performance index for various countries uh, in the world so india is ranked 168th country out of 180 country so india scored 27.6 out of 100 total score in 2006 india score was much better that was 47.7 out of 132 countries india stood at 118 now india stands at 168 country out of 180 its uh, epa score is 27.6 what it conveys so india has low epa scores that indicate the need for sustainability of ecosystem with a high priority focusing on critical issues such as air water quality biodiversity and climate change so india is sacrificing environmental sustainability for economic security or vice versa whether uh, we want uh, economic development at the cost of environment or we need environmental sustainability at the same time there are poor, millions of poor people are there so the government needs to strike a balance between these two important issues one is on the one hand we need economic development on the other hand at the same time we need environmental sustainability 
So environmental economists inform the policymakers on the cost of environmental risks and the benefits of reducing them, the cost of risk mitigation or remediation options and the distributional effects of the these uh, outcome, both economic and environmental outcome. So even um, some of my uh, research works, both in uh, article or in the popular article, we have uh, stated that our growth path is environmentally unsustainable. And uh, the institutes, institutions uh, governing uh, the environment, uh, they are uh, highly being suffocated uh, uh, because uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, government is prioritizing economic development for environmental resource conservation. So this has been reflected in climate change uh, in India and uh, India is uh, highly vulnerable to climate change. And uh, the India's uh, economic growth path is uh, certainly unsustainable uh, for the well-being of the people. And the environmental costs are being imposed in terms of health and uh, uh, other environmental resource costs like, like uh, purifying the uh, water and uh, uh, non-availability of uh, essential resources such as the uh, here for breathing in cities. Recently, we have noticed uh, in uh, Delhi how uh, breathing is uh, difficult for uh, uh, Delhi people because of high uh, environmental pollution, uh, Delhi air pollution. I have so even though there are uh, policies for uh, financing climate change, financing environmental conservation. They are inadequate uh, given the uh, uh, the rapid uh, depletion of environmental resource space. Uh, there are efforts to uh, bring the economy and <clears throat> uh, economic development on the path of uh, green economy. And also there are efforts at the policy uh, to make present GDP into green GDP, but still uh, the policies uh, are not in a uh, position to bring such drastic decisions. Whereas in case of uh, European countries, uh, they have already uh, under the green path, uh, green economic principles are being implemented in uh, UNDP countries. And uh, this is uh, really a, a concern for India. Uh, environmental governance is a real concern for India. And uh, so in this regard, uh, uh, there is a urgent need to restructure the economy and economic policies, which uh, need to give attention to both uh, environmental conservation at the same time, economic development on the path and principles of sustainable principles and sustainable development principles enshrined in the uh, report, United Nations uh, report, uh, which is popularly known as uh, our common future, United uh, Nations report on environment and development, you, uh, published in uh, 1987 by the Plutland Commission. In this way, we need to achieve economic development in India, keeping in mind uh, environmental uh, resource conservation and enhancing the resource base and keeping the environmental resource not only for present as well as future generation. So I'll stop here and uh, thank you uh, 
Simi, uh, Dr. Simi Mehta, and also uh, Dr. Arjun for providing me to share some of my views on the environmental governance in India, the state of the environment. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Very fascinating lecture and so much of in-depth uh, analysis that has gone into your lecture is really um, very inspiring. Thank you for, for your thoughts and for presenting um, really complicated issues in very um, simple manner. And uh, really, we really, uh, I really learned a lot. And uh, in fact, um, uh, well, there are uh, some questions that I am uh, have been thinking about or which has been bothering me for a long period of time, uh, which I would like to um, ask you ask you. But before that, I would request um, um, uh, Mohan Chandra sir to share his uh, views and spe specifically when you focused on the forests and the environment, uh, perhaps uh, Mohan sir, you could also throw some light on um, on that. Uh, sir, over to you. Mohan, sir? Yeah, Tabi. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, it is a wonderful presentation, Professor Krishnadas. Actually, uh, the debate or the tussle or controversy centering around economics and environment, I think, is well known. As I was saying, when the, you went uh, offline because of some technical issues, what I was saying that, yes. Uh, this uh, this topic or this debate is being used by various stakeholders for various purposes. Either sometime to greenwash or eyewash the people, sometime to really highlight, like you are discussing, there's some real cause that yes, you have some real genuine concern. Or sometime at the very, very big international fora, then we make very tall claim of that we are going for sustainable development and we'll do this, that. Uh, uh, I being government permit, I'm not uh, very open. I'm not supposed to be <laughs> very open and very, very candid in this aspect. I have to restrain myself, but uh, but somehow the hard realities uh, in the field, I mean, in the in ground, say so. Nevertheless, as you have at least said, it is a very, a very hot topic and uh, with the uh, recent commitment of India that we are going for net zero, uh, I am really very, very, very. Uh, I am happy and also surprised also that, and I am really puzzled that how we are going to meet uh, such a such a vast challenge of going net zero because there are a lot of issues. Be it, uh, I mean, uh, livelihood issue related to uh, which come after the which we start going to reduce the coal dependency. A very big sector with which millions of millions of people are involved either directly or indirectly that is being known. Second part is that uh, regarding uh, switching to alternate energy, so it has its own limitation. I mean, the net uh, availability of the alternate energy is really not very, very promising. Maybe around 30, 40% of you are going to get only up, even after spending millions of millions of rupees. Though it doesn't mean that we should not do our, I mean, our bit, we need to continue our effort toward net zero. Coming to second part, as you are saying, it is basically in my view. In fact, the Professor Raj has beautifully explained the I mean, theoretical part and also the real issues behind that. But what really bothers me that 
So this is the biggest challenge for the both for the I mean, administrator or the policy maker or thinker or researcher or even the for common people that how we really bring synergy between two. We keep on saying that there should be balance between environment development. There should be a balance. We should try to that we are doing this much toward environmental this thing. And despite the fact that uh, we have one of the best EP Act in the world, one of the we are we are very very good at legislation, especially India's legislation are very 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 pakka what you can say. Be it EP Act of eighty six, or be it the uh, historic Conservation Act of nineteen eighty, which is the outcome of really once that nineteen seventy six amendment was and I think we must. We must uh, congratulate uh, or the then government and really appreciate the effort and concern of late Mrs. Gandhi that under whose time actually the really environment and forest could get some real concern. Actually, in fact, leaving all politics and all these things, she was the really green leader, I must say. That. And it was she actually who for the first time in Stockholm. CC dare to say whole world that yes, no, the poverty is the biggest polluter. So at that time, otherwise, the all developed countries they used to bulldoze the developing world like anything, and they keep on. On that day, he she put a challenge before, and, and from that moment, actually, the developing country also started thinking. Yes, then it came the issue of equitable distribution, equitable responsibility. So, so who is polluter pay concept also? In fact, after that, it is outcome of that. If you are really pollutant, so you all you should be only responsible. I like developed country. Now we are asking the different thing that uh, there are a lot of bottlenecks, bottlenecks in getting uh, the result, desired result in this aspect. Okay, coming to that. See again, it comes a question of priority. Are we really prioritizing the environmental concern? Whether we have the best legislation, we have the best act everywhere. The language is very good and. It appears that objective seems to be very, very attractive, as if if we really fulfill. But what is happening? But in the field, is really it is getting translated into the desired intervention. See any policy decision, whether it is an environmental policy, or EP Act, or Environmental Act, or your FC Act, it has been translated because after Act there should be rules and regulation. Then after the rules and regulation, there comes a compliance. So I will just see first thing the priority. So let me see the priority concept. See, for business or economic development, we have so much priority, and we have shown to the world also that yes, we are really serious. I'll give simple example. Uh, professor has given the our ranking and all these things that uh, our ranking in the EP environmental this thing is very poor. That one sixty eight out of one eighty, one eighty, which is really a, really a poor poor concept. Similarly, we have almost, I think you all know that uh, out of 30 world polluted uh, cities, we are having 22. It is a very bad destination. But same time, if you see the other side, if you take the economics on that side, we are improving a lot. Because there is a one only one indicator, what is called EODB, ease of doing business. And you remember, if you that EOD business at present actually,
Uh, sorry, there are some calls in that. So if you see the EODB index of, I mean, India, see the improvement over the last three years. 2017, we are having at 100 range. And 2019, we have improved and we have gone, gone up to 63. What does it mean? Then we are really concerned about that. So we are achieving, we are showing the results. But why it is not having in the case of environment? I have simple question. It simply says that there is no priority. There is no, I mean, required, whether it is the input of finance, what is the input of institutional intervention, what is, whether it is a, I mean, uh, uh, question of giving priority to various sector under environment. So this, unless this is removed or unless that is done, I think we'll not able to do a good balance in very simple, simple terms as of now. Then coming to that, as I say, EP actor also, we have, we have told about EP actor, and we have subsequent actor also, but for example, we have air act, we have water act, which are the major, because once the issue of polluting pollution comes into picture, then always we look into that, which are the acts and rules, who are, which are being used for controlling these aspects, whether it's air pollution or water pollution or any kind of solid waste, whatsoever, whatever that I mean, uh, area may be. So here also is a very big thing. See, we are also having, in spite of having good legislation, good act and all these things, there is a lack in compliance. There's a provisions are very, very attractive. And one of the best provisions, if you see the EP Act or if you see, if you see the punishment part, if you see the all these things, if you really any textbook pattern, if you I mean comply with these instructions, we can get fantastic results. But it is not so in the it is not happening in that field. So we are lacking in the compliance. So compliance is getting compromised. So is the result of this. Reasons may be different, maybe really reason of livelihood issue, as in the case of forest, because we are not able to control because we have huge dependency of almost millions of people, they are depending on forest use. Millions of your cattle, they go to forest for their grazing. Millions of people, they are encroaching the forest land because they don't have land. So there are equitable issues coming to picture. So these issues, unless we address these issues, how can we expect that the, the desired result will be in, uh, I mean, expectation of a good policy outcome? So that, I think these issues require a little bit, little bit introspection. If you really want to go to net zero, if you really want to achieve good progress in the API index, if you really want to say that our forests are still, they are not in the process of degradation, so we'll have to do really some some drastic policy intervention. That may be, that may be really drastic means it, it, it sometimes you can come as a, even the anti people even the same so Unless you have to be ruthless for compliance of that thing, whether these, so there are social issues, there are economic issues, there are political issues, always. For example, your uh, recognition of forest rights, a lot of political issues are there. So it is not getting translated into the desired dynamic. It is somehow, somehow the real objective is getting diverted and some other things are coming to picture. So is the case of forest and all these things. Forest is getting diverted, that is better. But in view of that, are we going to get the quality forest? Are you really having that kind of mechanism to that thing? Or our systems are in place to ensure that thing? So these issues also require worth consideration, I mean, worth introspection and rethinking. And if required, we have to reorient and change our 
I mean, strategy, so that really in the coming time we can achieve the objective, whether it's a net zero or the sustainable development. You can tell you how name question of naming and all these things. Every year you give a new name to that. Sometimes you say HD, sometimes a net zero, sometimes a zero carbon kind of thing. In fact, this year actually we have shifted. We started our start our year with the 2020 uh, 1 to 30 decade of uh, your UN decade of uh, restoration. So at that time, everybody was talking of forest restoration. Uh, lastly, and in December, we have now, we have gone now, we are asking, saying that everything, emission, net zero, carbon, nothing else. So that as per time and uh, circumstances, we are changing our slogans, all these things. But in the core, we have only one this thing, whether are we going to achieve this? So from my side, it is only the answer, but thank you, Professor, your nice presentation on the subject. It was really a very wonderful interview. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your valuable comments. And uh, also they are uh, uh, very pertinent in the context of uh, present uh, uh, policy circumstance in India. So how to achieve all these uh, targets is a big question and how to synergize uh, economic and environmental policies. That is also very important. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed your uh, uh, discussion. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, thank you, uh, Mohan, sir, for uh, raising those very important points and also uh, highlighting how the, you know, the priorities of um, the policies change and uh, to that extent, what, um, uh, what um, is being compromised is the overall environment and uh, perhaps environmental justice that is justice uh, uh, fun intended uh, being meant uh, being meted out to the to the people at large so thank you so much there is a question sir if um, you can take this uh, professor raj uh, it is very pertinent in the sense that you know, sir environment degradation is having its impact on education and students as you know uh, perhaps you have also written uh, on it judicial intervention has led to the closure of schools and colleges in delhi the delhi government spent crores of rupees for a smog tower which has now proven to be useless the delhi child rights commission very recently has said that children stand to lose in this manner closure of schools and air pollution in in all ways they are uh, at the risk so this tug of war uh, over who is right will continue and the children will continue to suffer what do you think is the way out yeah it is a very uh, <laughs> uh, the question uh, which uh, cannot be answered at all because we are in the system where the pollution uh, uh, plays an important role here the pollution made uh, schools uh, uh, being closed in Delhi, and uh, we are we are uh, 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 the uh, victims of pollution, and even children are victims of pollution. And uh, when uh, the government, uh, on the one hand, uh, tries to uh, overcome out of this problem, overcome uh, the problem through. Uh, uh, introduction of some technological uh, uh, guard gates putting everywhere uh, that costs very high also at the same time. On the other hand, uh, the uh, issue is that uh, even though they are placing such uh, smoke uh, um, uh, guard gates and uh, instruments, they are not positioned in a, uh, to overcome that air pollution in uh, Delhi. 
so it shows that the magnanimity or the, the uh, of the problem uh, the problem is uh, uh, not created in a day or night uh, in one day or two days it is uh, it has been created and accumulated over a period of time uh, so the same has been discussed in my article also uh, we have uh, created uh, uh, such a infrastructure such an industrial uh, base in uh, 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 delhi and surrounding area and also there are various uh, uh, interacting uh, circumstances uh, uh, they are playing an uh, important uh, uh, role in creating uh, such a polluted environment in delhi so that does not uh, uh, get solved unless uh, uh, we have a long term plan so the long term plan even uh, we can think of is that restructuring the uh, economic activities in and around the delhi and especially identifying the polluting uh, uh, industries and shifting them away from the delhi uh, ncr uh, that would be one of the uh, way one can think of resolving this problem apart from that uh, um, what is more important is that um, see uh, there are the um, uh, costs always uh, uh, imposed on the society so the cost side including uh, the health cost uh, the environmental costs and other social uh, cost uh, we need to consider when we uh, do uh, interact with every day in market we being the consumers uh, we should restrict the uh, products which are uh, uh, produced uh, by the uh, uh, highly polluting industries say for example when we are purchasing uh, a vehicle uh, or even when we are purchasing a goods uh, we need to restrict ourselves uh, what we need to consume or what we not need not consume i just give an example so i was interacting with uh, the grandson of uh, mahatma gandhi arun gandhi recently in one of the uh, seminars where i made presentation and uh, he was the discussant on my presentation so he gave one beautiful example about the uh, uh, environmental uh, violence the environmental violence may be classified into two active violence and passive violence so he talked about passive violence the passive violence is that so uh, once uh, um, the arun gandhi the grandson of mahatma gandhi asked uh, his grand uh, uh, grandfather uh, uh, get a, a new pencil then mahatma gandhi has asked arun gandhi where is the old pencil so then he, the boy uh, told him that uh, the old pencil was very small one and uh, i used it and that, therefore i thrown it away i need a new pencil then mahatma gandhi has asked him to bring bring back that pencil then i'll give you a new pencil then this boy in the uh, night he searched and uh, get uh, got uh, that pencil back and so throw so it to uh, mahatma gandhi mahatma gandhi told him that see this pencil still you can use it for some more days so then i will get you the new pencil so the message he has sent to the uh, grandson is that so we are wasting the resources so the passive violence is that wasting the resources at the individual level at the industrial level at the government level uh, 
So that is coming from the environment itself, ecosystem itself. Pencil, we are uh, taking out more forests and more resources. So in this way, we need to learn a lesson out of the, uh, this uh, example is that we should avoid both active violence and passive violence. Active violence is that directly uh, threatening the environment, directly exploiting the environment, and indirectly wasting the resources. So in this way, we have to learn and learn, uh, learn things, and uh, we need to change the production and consumption system where we avoid the active and passive violence. Active and passive violence. So- I don't see active in your contacts. Who do you want to send it to? Yeah. Some, right. yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Could you try again? I think it's, um, it's a Google Assistant or something. Yeah, I don't know where it is coming, actually. I am not. <laughs> uh, okay. No issues. Yeah, so, so definitely uh, you have really raised the, uh, the point that I was actually wanting to move towards, you know, the, the whole aspect of violence. And it has its implications on justice. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when you talk about environmental degradation and the economic policies, uh, you made the the presentation, the, the first few slides that you were talking about. And so it has been also argued, you know, uh, on the other side that environmental degradation is actually now reverberating and impacting economic growth. So you had mentioned that economic growth is impacting environmental degradation. And uh, there are, um, uh, there is a, another school of thought which is just saying the opposite, that because of uh, environmental degradation, what we are seeing is um, uh, negative or you know declining economic growth and and uh, and uh, and the like. So it seems that it is actually a very vicious relationship and the argument seems to be on which side of the ideological fence you are on. So. Now, uh, when we see there's a lot of policy emphasis on low carbon, uh, green, uh, you know, greenwashing is there, sustainable and resilient growth path and all these, um, these um, new, new fundamental principles are coming, coming up uh, and taking, uh, they are now very much in fashion, so as to say in policy, uh, policy discourses. So, you know, very recently we saw that um, uh, the government in its vision 2030, it also included environmental objectives, which was something very new uh, for us, um, specifically when it is being in, in, incorporated in the budget of, of India. Uh, it also included ease of living, pollution-free India, and also clean rivers. But what essentially happened was that no concrete measures were discussed. So in the absence of such concrete measures, simply laying out ambitious goals in front of the public is actually not going to help. Uh, so uh, there is, uh, you know, moving towards um, where are we going ahead in the coming decades, for example, we have a window of opportunity. I mean, as IPCC is also, you know, warning us repeatedly, and also we can see it in front of us. There, we need to just take 
take advantage of that little in, uh, small window of opportunity that that is there to make a transformation and given uh, that major structural changes are, that is occurring across the globe including urbanization uh, growing middle class and even pandemics for that matter changing consumption preferences and um, serve, uh, shifts to service based economies there is a lot of automation etc the question that arises is how do we seize this opportunity with actually the urgency that is required to tackle global you know, global changing climate and environmental crisis so in in your views sir how where do you see how do we make a shift to that transition should it be piecemeal approach or should we just be very proactive in terms of um, of saving the environment for that matter and can india take the lead um, yeah. in in yes sir yeah you, you are uh, uh, very uh, very right in your approach in asking such a very beautiful question where we stand actually i uh, my lecture uh, uh, stands in this way uh, let me explain uh, very clearly so uh, uh, environment and economy they should go hand in hand on the one hand i explained on the other hand in the beginning uh, the uh, uh, the economy has started affecting the environment up to certain level so now the environment has started affecting the economy so it is reverse way first uh, we started uh, uh, we, we have given importance for economic growth and economic development in this process uh, the environment is being affected so we have reached a stage where now the economies are being affected by the environment so it means that the pollution the water pollution the climate change even uh, cities uh, uh, traffic congestions so you take any sector any region any uh, 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 anywhere uh, throughout the world the environmental degradation is affecting the economy or in other words the economic cost of environment is increasing day by day it may be health cost or it may be say for example even uh, the uh, stern report economics of climate change in that report it has clearly stated that the uh, economists are going to spend nearly uh, 5% of their gdp to overcome the climate change so it is it is it is well established already the environment started imposing cost on the everybody's life including us so this is the way we need to adapt to the uh, new situation adapt to, to the new situation and there are policies to mitigate the climate change so in this circumstance what i uh, uh, earlier i i just mentioned the gandhian philosophy of uh, 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 active and uh, passive violence so we need to drastically change the economy in terms of green economy last part of my presentation where we need to integrate uh, environmental and economic accounting and uh, we have to reduce the uh, uh, individual level the ecological footprints at the uh, government level uh, we need to bring uh, drastic policy changes uh, towards uh, uh, achieving low carbon economy 
And uh, uh, in this way, one can think of, uh, uh, depending on more uh, 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 non-fossil fuel energy resources uh, that will reduce the climate change. On the other hand, we have to reduce the uh, consumption of uh, goods and services, uh, wasting the resources. And we, now, we need to reprioritize what are the industries which are required. And uh, we need to reduce uh, the uh, waste generation by the industry, recycle them, reuse them. That is triple R, uh, reduce, uh, reuse, and recycle. And at the same time, uh, uh, energy efficiency is more important at uh, household level, at the industry level, at the government level. Uh, we need to uh, reduce the um, energy wastage or energy efficiency should be achieved. So every sector requires a, a, a complete uh, 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 reshaping of the uh, our approach towards how we uh, live how we produce, how, you how we consume, and how we, uh, how we manage the resources, how we conserve the resources for future generations. Altogether, a complete uh, reshaping of the economy or restructuring of the economy is required. Absolutely. No, fully agree with you, sir. And uh, thank you for presenting your views on uh, where and how or rather uh, what is the way forward. So thank you so much. Um, in fact, uh, I would just want to invite Mohan, sir, if he has, if you would like to share your views on uh, the way forward. And I would then uh, um, request uh, Krishnaraj, sir, to conclude. Um, Mohan, sir, would you have uh, any points that you would want to make? in terms of how are we uh, how we should proceed or move forward in terms of environmental governance in india yeah Yasmin. see as uh, rightly narrated by uh, professor Kasnav, uh, we need to have a i mean balanced approach with uh, I mean, selected priorities. You cannot do uh, overnight some drastic changes that, yes, we start doing revolutionary changes that will not allow anything or will be very, I mean, uh, strict on compliance of whatsoever environmental regulations are there. I think we need to have a pragmatic approach and we see the which is the topmost, uh, I mean, area which we start with. Unless we prioritize the action, see, there are a series of action, number one to 100. There are certainly prioritized action also. But we have to see that in the process, see other aspect of like that, unless along with this, we have to also see the, it is not the environment which is in, in isolation because it is, it has so much, so many ramifications. I mean, it is related with your equitable, I mean, rights and all these things. It has related with the finances, it has with the social aspect, it has the political ramification, it has in the economic aspect. So we need to have an inclusive kind of approach whenever you are doing, and that also we have to start slowly, slowly. But before that, there should be a strong political will also for that. So that is very, very, very much, because unfortunately what is happening, when the question and most of the, I mean, environmental issue, many of them are related to, I mean, CPR, what is the common property resources, be it water, be it land, be it forest. So they are not in the 
priority item of many sect, many I mean component of the society. I mean I mean uh, be the political society, be the business society, be even for the uh, poor people also. They may be having concern, but for, for their concern for their livelihood, the first and then the second environment. So this is the problem with the environment that it is affecting everybody, but for that it is not getting the required priority and required concentration from all of them because somehow and and in the process we are we are in a position that yeah, we are comfortably acting accepting that kind of compromises because it is not directly affecting me so i say what is the what is it is not affecting me i have money i will have something i will purchase power i will purchase this thing i will purchase this thing so it is not affecting but in general it is affecting society but somehow that kind of awareness is not getting into i mean action so that's why keeping all these as a complicated issue we should have a provision of let us start with the, some inclusive policy where all concerned genuine concern which are having more priority they are taken first later on we can say this is second priority over it is second third priority we see that because then keeping a balanced kind of thing so if really that is done then certainly we can have something that we can say yes we are if not completely achieving our desired goal at least we are near to that goal or we are doing some justice for that sector so that should be an approach i think which can help you though it is a really really difficult task because over the last 30 years also we are not we have not done any serious attempts the serious attempt i am saying we have the very good legislation we have the very action all these things but somehow because of various reasons maybe socio-political maybe economical reason even political reason or the other reason also it is purely not translating into action so let us find out what are the reason and once we find out let us i mean uh, formulate strategy which are i think which we can take for both so we can result in a win-win situation kind of thing yes it is for environment also to be good and for the economic aspect to be good or the for the people with which we are involved they are also not getting support and so that should be approached in my opinion Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. So I would like to uh, request Professor Krishna Raj to uh, share his concluding thoughts, if you have, sir, and if you could just briefly also uh, talk about or share your views on, uh, you know, how the government, how the government would design an effective uh, environmental policy for, uh, by actually working in tandem with the private sector and also by engaging citizens because it actually affects them and uh, it cannot be made in isolation so the importance if you could uh, also uh, share uh, um, about uh, greater participation civil society or private sector and uh, perhaps this would give enough uh, confidence or unity uh, then we could have a good uh, or efficient environmental governance and if you could just conclude your thoughts thank you sir. yeah yeah thank you it is a very good question indeed the democracy uh, in which we are living has provided an opportunity to every one of us to raise our voice so uh, raising voice uh, in uh, in uh, terms of what we need what what type of economic development we need and uh, uh, every uh, each citizen has a very right to uh, raise their voice 
because uh, the uh, we are living in a world it is highly polarized polarized in the sense that there are uh, uh, peoples are divided on the uh, class uh, economic class say the rich and the poor the uh, the poor are being affected at the cost of uh, the rich they are uh, uh, enriching themselves uh, exploiting these natural resources i can give many examples how uh, in uh, the world uh, the people have become rich exploiting the natural resources uh, that uh, privilege uh, are given by the government to them including if you take in karnataka the mining uh, uh, activities that took place uh, how uh, they uh, uh, become rich within a few years and uh, so this this clearly shows that uh, the government needs to listen to the people's uh, voices the people's voice is that uh, what type of development they need and uh, how the resources of the uh, 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 nation should be shared and distributed equitably and uh, how the governance system should work uh, most of the policies even economic policies and environmental policies they are not being discussed in a larger forum uh, and uh, the views of the uh, larger sections of the society is not being taken into account before implementing them so where uh, the government is failing uh, the institutions are failing and the governance is failing overall governance is failing so therefore participatory approach uh, uh, is very much required we don't know uh, what uh, type of economic developments are required for the indian people so indians are, really don't need uh, the capitalism imposed on them it is not the uh, country which is uh, um, uh, um, uh, imbibing uh, the uh, policies of some western countries so we certainly need a policy economic development policy which is exclusively for india not for uh, 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 not um, uh, the economic policies pursued elsewhere so even uh, the western countries are changing say for example i told you just now the un uh, cd countries uh, they have changed completely if, if you look at switzerland if you look at netherlands if you look at uh, other countries germany so their vehicles are almost uh, uh, running on uh, uh, the electric uh, uh, um, uh, electric support electric electric uh, uh, cells so they have changed their approach about economic development long back they have changed their approach they are moving on the path of sustainable development whereas in case of uh, india and other countries especially china we are uh, move, moving on the directions of uh, destructive economic development which is uh, imposing cost on the society imposing uh, uh, the cost on the uh, uh, future generation so therefore uh, we need to drastically change our economic policies and they should be oriented towards uh, sustainable development uh, goals and paths and principles and practices then only uh, we can think of achieving sustainable development in india thank you sir thank you very much uh, this has been a really interesting and um, insightful um, discussion indeed it was uh, wonderful conversing with you and uh, listening to you actually and and actually uh, 
um, understanding how uh, you know we could save ourselves from the code red which uh, um, the un secretary general has um, remarked and in fact provided a caveat that unless and until we really um, roll up our sleeves and uh, get our acts together we are really uh, in for um, for a really uh, not very comfortable time ahead uh, and this is for the entire humanity and uh, um, india has a great role to play and certainly the governance um, needs to uh, really uh, imbibe all the all the values all the inputs that uh, go into an efficient um, that would lead to an efficient governance uh, and administration of um, uh, administration in the country and this would also require the uh, rural urban uh, conundrum to be resolved i believe uh, and and much focus has also been on urban environment and urban ecology but uh, certainly we have to focus on the the rural as well so um, thank you so much um, to you uh, professor and on behalf of um, I would like to propose the formal vote of thanks on behalf of the IMPRI Center for Environment, Climate Change and Sustainable Development. Um, this has been wonderful talking to you, Professor Krishna Raj. Thank you for sharing your views and for sparing your time uh, early in the morning today. Um, I know you've been busy with your uh, work as well. Uh, so it was really wonderful talking to you. And also uh, much thanks and gratitude to Mohan Chandra sir for uh, sparing your time. Uh, this is a working day and you've been able to join us and you've been able to share your perspectives being a government servant. And uh, thank you to all our uh, attendees, participants here on Zoom and all those who are watching us on Facebook uh, live and to all those who would be watching us later on uh, YouTube and listening to the program on the different podcasts. Thank you so much and I wish you all a very, very good day ahead and um, remaining rest of the year 2021. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We look forward to learning more from you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Thank you. Uh, Dr. Simi and, uh, uh, and uh, Arjun and uh, um, uh, the forest uh, officer. What is his uh, name? Mohan, sir. Yeah, sorry, Mohan Chandra. Thank you so much for a very interactive session. And uh, I'm uh, really happy to come back and uh, discuss with you wherever it is possible. Uh, Mohan Chandra, sir. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, yes, yes. We're looking forward for it. Yes, That's yes. very encouraging. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.